Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. We join me in a spirit of prayer. Holy God, we do gather with gratitude in our hearts today as we share our songs of praise and lift our voices to you as we fellowship with one another, as we make our gifts and our offerings, our tithes, as we hear from your sacred scriptures, as we are reminded of the calling that you have placed on our lives and the grace that you have given us to fulfill it. May today be a day where we are centered again in your love and goodness so that we might live lives that reflect your love for the sake of the world. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Come to class on time. Be ready to learn. Listen and follow directions. Raise your hand before you speak. Be respectful of others. Ask questions. Always do your best. Try new things. Believe in yourself. Work hard and have fun. That's one version of some classroom rules. Others might read this way, the five Ps. Be prompt, be on time, enter the classroom quietly, turn in your homework, check the board for other assignments. Prepared, bring all of the necessary materials, put away your electronics, do your work productively each day, maximize learning time, staying on task. Be polite, be nice to everyone, no swearing or teasing or talking back or bullying Respect yourself. Keep your hands and feet to yourself at all times. Be patient. Wait respectfully and calmly for your turn. And do not complain. Listen to others and stay seated while others are talking. And absolutely, no eating or drinking or chewing gum. Dum, dum, dum. Surely there will be thousands of students in our community and the communities around us, millions of students across our nation who will return to the classroom this month and they will begin on that first day with the classroom rules, maybe some version of what we have before us today. They go from the the fairly low expectation, the fairly simple rules for our youngest children and they get a little bit more complicated as the children grow older. Classroom rules, of course, need to be clear and specific. They don't need to be too long, but they need to be long enough to capture everything that might happen in a classroom on any given day. As children grow up, the rules continue to get more and more complicated. Many of our students are returning to college. Some are going to college for the first time. In college, you get a a whole student handbook that outlines all of the expectations for your behavior on campus. And then for every class you go to, you get a syllabus, a multi-page document that talks about assignments and grades and expectations. We may have hoped when we were young people, when we were students, that one day we will be adults and we will be done with all of these rules. But oh boy, were we wrong, right? There are even more rules the older you get. I was doing a little searching this week about some of the rules that we have to follow laws, right? Here's just a brief example. The 1986 federal tax code took about 26,000 pages. The 2016 federal tax code took 70,000 pages, right? We as adults follow even more rules than our children. There are federal rules, there are state laws, there are county laws, there are city laws, there are tax laws, there's healthcare laws, there's property laws. All these laws and rules that we're expected to know and follow. There's laws about our employer and employee agreements and work arrangements. All sorts of rules that guide our lives. Now there's something about the word rules that maybe engenders in us a little bit of resistance because we feel like the rules are somehow constraining us or holding us back or they're complicated and they're making our lives difficult. But I think you would agree with me that on the whole, rules are are pretty helpful, right? Imagine a world without rules, 
Imagine a world where there was total chaos and anarchy. We've seen examples of countries, both, both recent but also historically, where lawlessness rules, where there are no rules. That's sort of a scene that maybe we, we wouldn't prefer either, right? So we all share in this sort of agreed-upon social contract that we will try to follow the rules. And in following the rules, we will have a productive and efficient time. We will allow people to flourish. It will be a safe and reasonable experience for all of us who are engaged. Today we're beginning a new sermon series, as you've seen on the front of your bulletin and as you've heard mentioned in the announcements, titled Three Simple Rules. Three Simple Rules. I want to talk a little bit about the history of that phrase and where it comes from and why it's an important word for us as Methodists. If you're not familiar, this guy on the left is John Wesley. John Wesley was an Anglican priest who helped to start the Methodist movement in the Anglican church in the early to mid-1700s. Early to mid-1700s. The Methodist movement within the Anglican church wasn't necessarily a theological reformation. It wasn't like the Protestant Reformation where there was a lot of pushback against church teaching. Instead, in the Methodist movement, what, what Wesley recognized and what he did so well was he, he understood that people needed opportunities, they needed systems, they needed guidance in growing in their faith. In the Church of England, there were many people who were nominal Christians, they were members of the church, but they weren't really practicing their faith, they weren't really engaged with their faith, they didn't really know how to respond in their faith. And so Wesley began to organize people in small groups and in classes and in societies. This was Wesley's great gift, was taking everyday people, everyday Christians, and setting up systems and structures that help them to grow in their discipleship. So this is a favorite quote from Methodist preachers or from Methodist historians. As Wesley was organizing these people, uh, this quote was repeated many times. There's one condition, one condition required of those who desire admission into these societies. A desire to flee from the wrath to come and to be saved from their sins. A desire to flee from the wrath to come and to be saved from their sins. These are people who are hoping to experience the joy of salvation. That was Wesley's expectation. But then he went a little bit further. He said, if it's true that you desire to flee the wrath to come, if it's true that you desire to be saved from your sins, then it ought to be borne out in certain fruit in your lives. And so he wrote this little document that we still cherish today where he outlined the expectations for those early Methodists in this way. He said, first, if you want to be a part of this Methodist movement, you should be engaged in this way. You should bear fruit in this way by doing no harm. By doing no harm, avoiding evil of every kind, especially that which is most generally practiced. And there's some more that goes there we're going to talk about in a minute. Secondly, by doing good by being in every kind merciful after their power. That means being as merciful as you can in your own power when you have the opportunity to do so of every possible sort as far as it is possible to all men. And thirdly, by attending upon the ordinances of God. Now that sounds a little bit old English to us. What he means by that is attending upon the ordinances, being consistent in your life of worship, coming to church, reading scripture, engaging in acts of mercy and piety, sharing together in holy communion. So as Wesley was organizing these early Methodists, our ecclesial ancestors, these were the rules that were given to them, and they became known as the General Rules, capital G, capital R. These are the General Rules for Methodists, and they have been now for some 270 and 280 years. In guiding a life of faith and a life of discipleship, Wesley thought these three rules basically summarized the expectations for Christians. Do no harm, do good, and attend upon the ordinances of God. The general rules of the Methodist Church are still powerful for us today. Though they were written some time ago, they still echo. 
with great depth and with great value for us even today. So next three weeks, we'll look at three rules, three simple rules. Today, do no harm. Next week, do good. And then that last week, we'll unpack what Wesley means by attending upon the ordinances of God. Today, do no harm. Now, when you hear that phrase, do no harm, you may think of a a, a similar phrase in a different tradition. Uh, The Hippocratic Oath is often taken by medical professionals, doctors, others who work in the medical industry. They take an oath during their education training, and this tradition goes back all the way into like 400 B.C., right? That there has been an oath taken by doctors, by those who practice medicine, and they promise in that oath to do no harm. Here's a translation of one of the earliest versions. This is a doctor, a medical professional, saying this. I will use those dietary regimens which will benefit my patients according to my greatest ability and judgment, and I will do no harm or injustice to them. Neither will I administer a poison to anybody. That's a pretty low bar, I think, for a doctor. You shouldn't poison anyone. Um, But they had it written down to make sure that they would agree to do so. It goes on. Into whatever houses I enter, I will help the sick, And I will abstain from intentionally wrongdoing and harm, especially from abusing the bodies of man or woman, bond or free. So we might begin by saying there's sort of a general principle, right? It certainly predates Wesley. It even predates the New Testament church. It predates Jesus. There's sort of a general principle that doing no harm is a good way to engage in the world. Certainly it's a good standard to hold medical practitioners to, that they would do no harm. But that principle obviously has been picked up in other places as well, in Scripture and later in Wesley's teaching. And so today we want to take that principle, do no harm, and think about what it means for us a little bit as Christians and specifically as Methodists. All right, on the front of your bulletin, this is on there on purpose for you. I hope you uh, will save this. You maybe cut it out with some scissors and put it in your Bible if you don't already have a copy of this lying around somewhere. In the front of the bulletin is the original version of Wesley's teaching around, around doing no harm. And so I'm going to read it quickly and hit some of the high points, and you can follow along. Wesley says, You should do no harm. You should avoid evil of every kind, including taking the name of God in vain, profaning the day of the Lord by either doing ordinary work therein or buying or selling, Drunkenness, buying or selling spirituous liquors or drinking them, unless in cases of extreme necessity. That's a really funny phrase, and I'll let you think about what that means, right? Slaveholding, buying and selling slaves. It's really interesting. Think about Wesley's time. This is before the American Revolution, and already Wesley was taking a stand against slaveholding. Fighting, quarreling, brawling, brother going to law with brother, returning evil for evil or railing or for railing or using many words in buying or selling. That's a funny one as well, right? Don't be long-winded. Buying of selling or goods that have not paid the duty, giving or taking of things on usury that is unlawful interest, uncharitable or unprofitable conversation. I really like this one. Particularly speaking evil of magistrates or of ministers, all right? No gossiping about the pastors, right? Do to others as you would have them do unto us. Do what we know is not for the glory of God. Putting on gold or costly apparel. Taking diversions that are not used in the name of the Lord. Singing songs or reading books or watching television shows which do not tend to the knowledge or love of God. I just put in that TV part there because obviously Wesley didn't know about TV. Softness and needless self-indulgence. Laying up treasure on earth. Borrowing without probability of paying. So this is Wesley's advice to the early Methodists, some standards of behavior. You shouldn't do these things, Wesley says, right? These are things you should not do. You should abstain from doing. And I think they sort of break down into two groups. The first group are things you shouldn't do that might hurt others, right? Do no harm to others. 
slaveholding, buying and selling slaves, fighting, quarreling, brawling, going to law with others, uncharitable or unprofitable conversations. You shouldn't do anything in your life that's going to cause harm to someone else, right? That's a pretty low bar, but it's a reasonable expectation, right? You shouldn't act or speak or engage in the world in a way that's going to hurt someone else, including how you use your money. Notice how Wesley weaves that in there, right? You shouldn't take up things on unlawful interest. You shouldn't take up things that haven't had the tax paid on them. You shouldn't do anything that hurts other people. And I hope you hear in Wesley's teaching echo of the very text that that Mandy just read from Galatians, right? Wesley's list sounds a whole lot like the list from Scripture, right? You shouldn't engage in fornication, impurity, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, or things like these. We read from Romans where Paul quotes the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. You should do no wrong to your neighbor. So that first principle for medical practitioners, for doctors, is sort of a starting point for us as Christians as well in a Christian lens. As you engage in the world, do no harm. Do no harm to anyone else with your actions and your activity, with your words, with the way you spend your money, with the way you spend your time. Now, the other pattern that I see in Wesley's teaching is to do no harm to yourself or to do no harm to your relationship with God. So it's not just about engaging with other people, but it's about your own spiritual life. He says, don't take the name of God in vain. Don't work on the day of the Lord, right, or do any buying or selling, any business. Don't do anything that you know is not for the glory of God. Don't sing songs or read books or watch television shows which don't tend to the knowledge and love of God. Do not engage in softness and needless self-indulgence. So those admonitions are about your spiritual life, right? And you can imagine Wesley teaching these these people who are just beginning to engage in their faith, trying to turn toward a life of faithfulness and discipleship. Wesley says, these are some places you could begin, right? Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Don't work on the day of the Lord. Don't engage in in needless self-indulgence. Or, as we read from Galatians today, live by the Spirit, not by the desires of the flesh, for the Spirit and the flesh are opposed to one another, and they prevent you from doing what you want. That's what Wesley's talking about to give up the ways of the flesh, to learn to live according to the Spirit. If you want to grow in your faith, then you need to stop doing the things that are hindering you in growing in your faith. If you want to move forward with Jesus, then you need to stop going backwards. So do no harm to your relationship with God. In today's scripture text, we've, we've read these quotes, and they, they all sound very similar. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, you know that well. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. I love that one. Do to others as you would have them do to you. You know that well. Live by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is what Wesley means by do no harm. This is what we as Methodists believe it means to do no harm. To live in a way that we don't do harm to others, but to also live in a way that we don't do harm to ourselves and our relationship with God. I'm thinking especially today about the new school year, and I hope you are as well. For all of our students and their parents and guardians, for all of our educators and administrators, for everyone who's, who's got a big change coming this, this past week or this coming week, imagine do no harm as at least a, a beginning point for the new school year, for your household and for your family, for your relationships with others. Imagine committing to doing no harm in your conversation 
in the way you spend money and the thoughts that are in your mind and the way you engage with other people and the way you grow in your spiritual life. Kevin Watson, one of the, the contemporary Methodist scholars, he says the, uh, the, great, the great gift of these general rules was that it helped people move from, from a nominal Christian faith, you know, a faith in name only, to an active living faith. And I think that's a pretty good goal for us as we begin the school year together, to move from a nominal faith only to an active and living faith, a growing faith. And we'll start this week with do no harm. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you join me in a spirit of prayer? Holy God, we give thanks for the ways in which you have challenged and shaped us from the testimonies of Scripture, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the teaching of the early church, from the words of Jesus, even in our own tradition, as taught by John Wesley. God, give us the vision and the courage. Give us the wisdom, the endurance, the willingness to follow you as we seek to do no harm, to do no harm to one another, to our friends, to those in our household, to our co-workers, to do no harm in the way we spend our money or our time, to do no harm in our own spiritual life as we seek to grow as disciples of Jesus. All these things we pray in Christ's name, and let us say together, Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparagold.org. May God bless you this week.